Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show, the Empowered Practice Podcast, where we have conversations about our own health and healing journeys, mind, body, and spirit, and the tools and the resources and the conversations that have been most supportive to us in that endeavor. I'm so honored to be your host, J.D. Ingalls, health coach, yoga, and meditation teacher, and perpetual seeker and student of life. Let's get on to the show. Okay, and welcome back, everyone, to the Empowered Practice Podcast. And today I am so excited to be introducing you to the beautiful healing goddess that is Anna Sophie Conversano. She is a (laughs) yoga instructor. She's an integrative yoga therapist. She practices Reiki and embodied wellness practices. So I hope that you get to experience a little bit of all of that energy and goodness as we talk today. So welcome, Anna. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. So just to kick off the conversation, um, would you mind just sharing with listeners a little bit about your story and what inspired the work that you currently share with the people in the world? Yeah, totally. Um, I feel like it's a bit of a two-pronged story, so I'll kind of share both ends of it. Um, I Yoga for me started almost 12 years ago, but it didn't really quite stick. Um, and then I found it again when I was in college, and I um, suffered from a severe eating disorder for a really long time, and yoga was the first thing that led me back to my body, and it was such a deep, intimate homecoming experience for me, pretty much automatically, that It led me even into deeper healing with myself. Um, And I would also say that I had an absolutely amazing therapist that taught me so much about embodiment practices and meditation and how to sense with my body and do visualizations. So I feel like I experienced this work first before I decided to kind of be on the other side of the seat as a teacher. Um, And so after my 200-hour training in 2014, the very very first class I I taught was in Atlanta, which is where I'm from, and it was at a women's halfway house for uh, women who used to be victims or involved in sex trafficking. And... I would go there once a week after my normal nine-to-five job, and I mean, I was fresh out of 200-hour yoga teacher training, and felt like I had no idea what I was doing, but no matter what, the women would fall asleep during Shavasana every single time, Mm -hmm. and it was kind of like an awakening for me, because I, not only did I get a experience the healing practices of embodiment through yoga and meditation myself but then when I started to offer them and teach them I realized that everyone needs the ability to feel safe in their body and that so many people don't and it doesn't have to be such an extreme of an eating disorder or 
being in a halfway house or in recovery of some sort, but even just in general. Um, so I started doing research online and I started Googling yoga therapy and this was in 2000 and like 2015. Um, so I don't even think maybe LMU's program where I ended up studying last year was there, but I'm not sure. Um, I think yoga therapy was very, very new into like the vocabulary of the healing world. And I found an ashram in India online that offered a 350 hour program. Mm -hmm. And I booked a one way ticket and I quit my job and I went. Um, So that was the beginning, I think. And since then, I have trained in Reiki and a couple of different modalities of energy healing and studied yoga for 12-step recovery um, to really understand the relationship between yoga and embodiment practices as a way to help with the healing of addiction. Mm -hmm. Um, And then eventually leading me out to LA, I, I finished my studies at LMU yoga therapy program, which I think is also 300 hours. Um, you can go all the way, but I chose not to. Um, there's two different aspects to it. So I stopped after the first aspect because um, I believed that I was ready and I felt that much of what I learned I had also learned in India. So I feel really grateful that I got two very different yet complementary perspectives on yoga therapy. Yeah. That is so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, And I think it's so like what a potent learning that you got to go to the place where many of these practices were birthed, you know, where they originated and then to have the experience to study some of the same principles from a Western perspective, because you're working here in the West, so you can understand the bodies and the minds of the people walking around that you're serving. Yeah, totally. I feel so grateful that I studied in India first. Um, It completely changed my outlook on my personal practice and even, you know, what yoga even is or what it what it means it it shape-shifted everything for me and I think it catapulted me into my own intuitive understanding of the way I heal and work with people Mm -hmm. and LMU was just like the cherry on top (laughs) yes that is amazing and that actually brings up a really great question um so would you, just for the listeners, define what yoga means to you and how it um, shows up as a practice for you in your life? Yeah, yoga to me is embodiment, is integration, is healing, is allowing, is presence, um, unification. And I think yoga can be something that is done or practiced 
and also yoga can be kind of an energetic state. Um, I think classically yoga is defined as union, and I I think that there's not really a better word than that. Mm-hmm. Um, the unification of your mind and your body and your left side and your right side, your brain and your heart, um, your in-breath and your out-breath, you know. And, and in yoga therapy especially, there's a five uh, energetic encompassment. It's kind of like in the West, I guess it could be considered like a form of anatomy, but in yoga therapy, there's five different layers of the human and yoga works on all five of those layers. Mm-hmm. So it would be the physical, the energetic, the emotional body, the thinking mind, and the spiritual being. Mm. Um, it can be eye-opening because many times for people who are just practicing in the West and might take a class um, anywhere in a studio or a, like a fitness studio, a lot of times we're only introduced to the physical practice. And so we walk around thinking yoga is postures that we do on a mat that are hard if we're not flexible, <laughs> but it's yeah, I know. more than that. Totally. Yeah. I think um, yoga has become synonymous with like what would actually just be yoga asana, which asana would mean like postures, but yoga is, I think the postures are beautiful, but it's like the layer number one. It's like skimming the surface. And I think that that is why yoga therapy is so beautiful because um, a lot of times when I say that I am a yoga therapist, people are like, well, yoga is my therapy or like isn't all yoga therapy. And it's kind of like technically, yes, you know, like technically all yoga has therapeutic qualities yoga wasn't developed as a therapy you know in India they like and even you know in my western studies like are kind of scoffed at like yoga for back pain or yoga for x y and z it's like yoga is the unification and all of these other kind of topical circumstances will be addressed just kind of automatically when the body comes back into homeostasis and ease because the awareness is cultivated through the process. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think that's, thank you so much for that clarification. I think that at least for myself too, coming into this practice, I've been practicing for about 10 years now, but I still notice and definitely in the beginning more so noticed my conditioning of my Western mind and my ideas about healing and that it has to be something from the external world applied internally to make it go away. Like I have to do something specific to make this thing go away. It's not like a lifestyle approach or coming back into balance with all of the, my approaches to life. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that that is so common and normal and I don't think that there should be shame around it for anybody um or like I wouldn't see it as like 
me casting a judgment on like, oh, your perception of yoga is wrong. Mm-hmm. But I just like challenge people to think or not even think, but feel a little bit more deeply into like what unification and integration actually means for them. And, and the postures, I think, are a wonderful, beautiful first step. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. Yeah. I know that I walked into my first couple of yoga classes knowing nothing about it and had a very similar experience to what you were describing in that I realized there that I had been out of my body for a very long time and mm-hmm. had sort of a homecoming experience like, oh, I'm home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Say, like when you can come home to your body, then you can feel safe and you can awaken to everything that's going on inside of you and you can hold space for it. You know, like you, you start to recognize different patterns that are held in your body and that maybe your tension isn't just physical, but there's emotional layers to it. Um, yes. More often than not, there are emotional aspects to it. Yes. And I think yoga is a, platform for self-realization in that way yes yes thank you for saying it in that way too because I think sometimes we hear these words especially in like the the spiritual pop culture I'll call it um like self-realization and enlightenment and all these things and for the everyday person or somebody who's just stepping onto the mat for the first time, those words can feel really abstract and woo-woo and maybe even scary, but they're actually very grounded and approachable. And you just described it perfectly. So thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. Totally. So for someone who's used to or has maybe had an experience taking a yoga class, how would a yoga therapy session be different? That's a really good question. Um, first and foremost, I think the biggest difference is when you go to a yoga class, you're doing what the teacher tells you to do because that's the sequence that they're coming up with, which is neither good nor bad. It's just like reality. You're going to a class and the teacher tells you what to do. Um, whereas me, when I work with people, I will say, I think that there are some yoga therapists out there who do focus primarily on the physical. Um, so maybe come up with like certain sequences that they can do that day for that person. But I work in entirely intuitively. So when I show up with a client, I have no, maybe aside from thinking a little bit ahead of time, but intuitively tapping into their body, I think about what they might maybe need, but I just let people's bodies talk to me. So the difference, I guess, in this long sentence is that yoga therapy is can, is catered specifically to the person, to the individual uh, and their specific needs and their specific abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one-on-one attention I think allows for the person to get even more deeply into their body um, because I will be working with them and each thing we do consecutively will just 
be coming from what the body is wanting to feel next or um, certain visualizations or breathing practices that this person might need for their specific anxiety level, their specific ability to be in the body. Um, you know, not everyone is able to just drop right in. And I guess I could say an example would be without, you know, oversharing information that's personal to the client, but I'm working with a woman and today um, we were having a session and she's started to, through our sessions, wake up to her body even more. So she's realizing how much actual pain she has been holding. Mm. Whereas before she was started sessions with me, I think it was easier for her to put off. Um, so she's recently started doing all other alternative therapies like chiropractic work and massage. And um, she's just like so inspired that she has already started to feel results from all of these different therapies and the way that they're working with each other. But um, her chiropractor the other day, you know, was like, your low back pain may do, be due to stress. And she was telling me this and she was like, well, I'm not a really a stressed out person. And um, I offered a couple of words around how, you know, stress doesn't have to be just like if you have a stressful situation mm -hmm. right in front of your face at the time, but like it can be emotional stress or like if you're not expressing emotions, it can be held in your body. And she had a huge breakthrough and mm -hmm. she started telling me all the things that she holds in her body and why they're there. And it was almost like a total relief to her to understand why her body is giving her all of these signals of pain. And yeah. the only way she was able to do that is because she cultivated deeper awareness with her body. Yes, so much yes to everything you just said. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing that example. I think it'll really ground it. And I think so many listeners will relate to it because oftentimes we're walking around in a state of fight or flight without even realizing it. And on like a physiological level, that shoots cortisol through our bodies and we actually become more numb as a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. So slowing down and becoming really aware of the subtle and not so subtle things that are, are going on in our bodies gives us that sensitivity and that awareness. And again, like Eastern Western is coming up for me because oftentimes from a Western perspective, if we're in pain, we take something to numb it out without really getting to the root of why it's there. Um, and this offers sort of the space in the container to begin to like decode the language of the body. Like it's pain, yes, but what is it saying to me? And that's amazing that your client was able to go through her body and be like, oh, this is coming from this. This is coming from this thought mm -hmm. or belief or pattern or memory. I mean, our bodies aren't just like flesh. We, we hold our whole life's experience webbed and weaved through it. So that's beautiful. I would say our bodies are a nervous system more than they are flesh. And yes. <laughs> and I think that the most beautiful part about yoga therapy is that it's 
a holistic, truly not just like buzzword holistic, but actually a holistic, all-encompassing modality to get to the root cause of pain. And it is almost always emotional. Mm -hmm. And I think that it is easier and less scary to turn to a pill and be like, I have a headache, so I'm going to take migraine medicine or you know, my foot hurts, so I'm going to go to the foot doctor. I think that that is, in a way, we've been trained for that to feel more safe because we don't have to go to the root cause of really what's going on with ourselves. And um, I think when we can allow ourselves to feel safe enough in our bodies and feel at home in ourselves, and that's the only way that transformation and healing can occur. Yes. In my opinion. I agree with you 100%. And what I would just share from my own experience is that we may get short-term relief from some Western therapies. And I incorporate some Western perspectives and approaches into my practice. Um, But oftentimes if we're not going to the depths, the root cause, it'll keep showing up as different symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. It's like whack-a-mole. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) And I don't think that Western medicine is all bad and all wrong. I don't think anything is so black and white, but I think what yoga therapy can really be powerful and transformative for is for chronic conditions, not like acute pain, um, but chronic pain or chronic stress or chronic fatigue or something that is so deeply intertwined with your nervous system's like reaction of you know how you live your every day that is where yoga can start to untangle or really you can start to untangle yourself through yoga through breathing through movement through putting your hand on your stomach and not freaking out because you feel you're like belly fat you know just something so simple can be so powerful and transformative because it's it's you allowing yourself to hold space for all parts of you and, and letting every part of you be welcome and shared and, and addressed. Yes. You holding space for all parts of you. That is yoga. That is yoga. It's how I end most of my sessions is you know, allowing people to lay on their backs or roll over to one side and just waiting to let themselves feel all parts of themselves and to hold space for all of it. And that you are your own container. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's all these different aspects of you, but also you are an integrated being. Yes. That's so beautiful. And it's such a beautiful experience to have a skilled teacher like you to strengthen that container, you know, to kind of be the container for the container. Yeah. I think there's something really beautiful about working with another person and, and letting yourself be vulnerable and feel safe with another person is, I mean, yoga therapy is all about the relationship that you have, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. So for people who are 
maybe have never tried yoga but are really curious about what we're talking about and are interested or at least curious about coming back into their body and feeling more integrated, um, where would you suggest people just start? When you wake up in the morning, don't pop out of bed, don't grab your phone, but put one hand on your stomach and one hand on your heart and just take 10 deep breaths and ask yourself what you need to feel. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's as much yoga as doing handstands and arm balances and all these beautiful, amazing metaphors, I believe, that these poses offer. But, you know, start with yourself. I mean, if you want to experience a class and you feel intimidated, go to a basic class or find a basic YouTube video online and do yoga on your carpet. You know, like yoga can be for anyone and yoga is for everyone it's not for the flexible it's not for the skinny it's not for the pretty it's for like the human being yes thank you (laughs) yeah I feel like part of my mission is to break down this stigma and without getting too much of a chip on my shoulder about it but you know we've been conditioned to what this beautiful bundle or package of yoga means in the West. But it's like, I think self-intimacy and holding space for yourself is the most important part. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I think that if you can come from that place of inner exploration and just space holding, it can be a really empowering practice because One, you're holding space for all aspects of yourself and what's coming up for you. And two, you're becoming aware of your dynamic nature, that no two days or moments are exactly the same and what you need in each moment is going to change. And then three, it sort of gives you a like library of tools to help balance those things, to help yourself come back into that dynamic state of balance. Absolutely. And I think that If I were to suggest for anyone, whether you practice already or not, I challenge you to practice yoga in a different way than you do the rest of your life. You know, like if we're, if you're quick and you're fast and you're busy and then you go to a power flow and then you run home, you know, that's just you doing one other thing. And yes, you're breathing while practicing yoga, but I I challenge you to let it be the one thing you do differently. And that can also vary day by day. Mm -hmm. But yoga is is the cultivation of the opposite so that you can come back into balance. Mm -hmm. Yes, 100%. And um, I love that you brought this up because something that I became aware of in my practice is that how, I mean, yoga can be, with awareness, a practice for balancing all of the aspects of ourselves. But if without the awareness and the checking in, it can just be another container that we carry all of our stuff into. So for example, for me, I was noticing that my perfectionistic tendencies were carrying into my practice and it became about how long I meditated and the complexity of practices I was doing and how it looked externally. Um, So the awareness- 
piece is so key. The awareness and the intention, I think, I was just telling my friends this yesterday, like, it doesn't matter what you do, whether you consider it like the most spiritual thing possible, it matters on what your level of awareness is around it and your honest intention behind doing it. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think, a catalyst for so much more healing and integration than not being able to kind of recognize your patterns and that you might, you know, I think it's easy for all of us, and I'm guilty of it too, to just do everything in our initial conditioning, like even even yoga. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a journey for me to kind of break away from that because I, like, was all about perfecting the postures and doing the power classes. And I was like climbing the yoga ladder. <laughs> like, yes. What am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? And if you ask yourself why you're doing it and there's beautiful reasons why, then sure. If you want to do this pose because you want to feel empowered and strong, go for it. There's nothing wrong with that. Yes. But if you want to do it because by God, if you don't do it, you're not good enough at yoga. Then Maybe you should check yourself. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. And that's bringing up for me too, like especially with how um, acceptable social media is to all of us now, just how um, sticky it can be, The like the comparison trap. So two people might be practicing power flow and one person might be in that energy that you were describing of feeling super empowered and um you know, lit up from the inside out and somebody else might be just pushing and forcing and gritting their teeth and holding stress in their body. Like, by God, I'm going to do this. Just like how they're showing up in the rest of their life. So it's really an individual practice. A hundred percent. And that's why I think yoga therapy takes it just that much deeper because there's such a special individual aspect to it. Yes. Um, Because it's like, yes, we are all one and all the things, but also we are very unique and individual in our specific needs and our specific abilities. And I think becoming aware of, you know, your specific flavor of what you identify with and what you need from yourself is super, super important. Yes social media like doesn't help with that at all yeah I don't think it's right. very confusing because we think we should be the same as what we're seeing and we're not right so really coming back to that 10 deep breaths hand on the heart hands on the belly checking in with ourselves and moving from that space of internal awareness mm-hmm. so for especially for sensitive beings how drastic our energy shifts can be from week to week in different phases of our cycle. Um, And so do you have any recommendations as a yoga therapist for if people like do feel really great doing power flow, you know, one or two weeks out of the month, and then it just like is so hard and exhausting the other two, Um, any like insights or awareness into how they can be with their energy throughout the month? I would say you just check in with yourself every day you know 
sometimes I will I will literally have plans in my calendar that I'm going to go to yoga at 10 a.m. on a Wednesday. And I might have planned this on a Monday. But Wednesday rolls around and I'm just like 0% interested in moving my body that vigorously on a Wednesday morning. So like, I don't go, you know, there's no shame in that. It's kind of a beautiful thing to be able to say no to yourself when you quote unquote think that you need to do something that day. So, I mean, week to week or day to day, honestly, like, don't let yoga be something that's forceful. And I think the, the a lot of wisdom can come in choosing to not practice if you don't want to practice. Or, you know, most days my yoga is like rolling around on my mat in my room and like putting my legs up the wall. That's what my yoga has kind of become lately. And, and I'm doing other things to fill my need for exercise. And for a long time, I kind of resisted that because I was like, no, I'm a yoga teacher. I have to keep up my practice. My practice needs to stay strong. I have to stay inspired. So I have to go to classes all the time. But that's not really what my body was asking for. So Mm. I would say be just honest with yourself and notice the the control tower voice who's going to probably be a little bit more on the forceful side and then, you know, drop one layer deeper and be like, what, what do I really need right now? And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you don't even decide a day before you just see how you feel that morning. <laughs> that's re- that's yeah. like kind of how I'm rolling these days. Yes. So I am with you on that. And it's been a big practice for me in non-attachment. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And expectations that we create for ourselves too. Yes. Yeah. Dropping from the head to the heart continuously, dropping from like what the mind thinks I should be doing into what feels present right now. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's really coming back to what you said in the beginning, which is yoga is unification. So if you're coming into paying attention to what's present for you and what can I do right now to come into greater integration with all the pieces of myself, you did a yoga practice regardless of if you were laying in bed or you went to a practice at a studio or you did something else. Absolutely. Your yoga can be like 10 conscious breaths when you wake up and that's more than enough you know, taking those precious sacred moments to check in with yourself instead of jumping out of bed and going straight into like default mode where we operate almost all day, mm-hmm. every day. So anything that can bring you outside of like that haze that we get in where we're just kind of moving through the motions, checking off our internal to-do list, um, I'd say that's an advanced practice. Like, yeah, handstand's pretty cool, but <laughs> how much can you be with, with your heart and how honest can you be with yourself? And can you drop into a sense of safety and empowerment within your body? You know, yeah. like that's the good stuff. That's the stuff that filters out into your decision making and your relationships and your ability to communicate and 
find creativity in your life, you know? Completely. And it's a different kind of strength. It may not be the same strength that we use in arm balances or handstands, but perhaps we're finding a greater spaciousness and peace in situations where we used to get triggered and react from, you know, subconscious, non-conscious patterns. So. Absolutely. And I'm not trying to like hate on physical right strenuous practices but i will say i think a lot of times those are just metaphors right the ability to kind of challenge yourself or take risks or trust yourself going upside down you know a lot of people that's a really scary thing to do mm-hmm. um so it is metaphorically facing fears and and providing a sense of empowerment but i am just offering you know I think teachers say all the time like take your practice off the mat so keep the practice off the mat you know even if you don't physically step onto your mat that day your yoga is with you in every moment if you let it be Mm -hmm. yes so one more question for you um Mm -hmm. you said that yoga is embodiment and a lot of your work has been influenced by embodiment practices. So would you just describe to listeners what embodiment means to you? Yeah, I think it's just as simple as as being in the body. And I have a hard time explaining that in words because it's such a felt sense. Like Mm. it's an ability to feel and to witness and to encompass and to notice the way that you think because you are not living in your head, but you're integrated within yourself. And the body, I think, is just a container for like a wealth of information. And it's the ability to kind of hold and witness all of it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but just going like three notches down (laughs) into yourself living from that space as best and as much as we can like of course we're going to be pulled out and there's nothing wrong with thinking we have to think in order to drive or to Mm -hmm. you know do things I don't think we should just turn our brains off and like go live in caves but It's the ability to come home to yourself fully and completely, I believe. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it starts with, like you said, just dropping in and noticing what's there and being with that for as long and as consistently as you can be. It's a practice. It's a practice. And I think sometimes we need help. Like, I certainly... I believe it's a skill and I believe it, it's something to be learned. And in the same way, it would be like learning another language or mm-hmm. like any other new skill. Um, so I think patience is really important, especially if it's kind of not your MO to kind of be a feeler, be in the body. Um, it could maybe feel frustrating at first. So I think working with someone else is finding recordings to listen to if you have a hard time guiding yourself inward are all really good ideas if you find that it is challenging at first 
Definitely. And do you have any, like off the top of your head, um, recommended resources for individuals who are interested in that guidance? Um, I guess off the top of my head, Insight Timer is an amazing app that has so good. plenty of free meditations. There's also really expensive ones you can purchase. Um, so Insight T Timer, I feel like, is like an online Bible for uh, guidance. Mm -hmm. um, also, Yoga Nidra, which is a really big part of yoga therapy, um, which is a, just a deep state of rest that is kind of cultivated by body scanning and just deep, deep, deep sensing felt awareness practices. If you just even YouTube, you can find some good yoga nidras online. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah. I will 100% second the Insight Timer app. It's been an amazing resource for me and my meditation practice every day. And there's like infinite styles and amounts of time and teachers on there. So there's so much in there for free. Mm -hmm. Oh, one more thing. Tara Brock has a podcast and she is a um, psychotherapist and a Buddhist meditation teacher, but she also has a deep, long practice of yoga. She used to live in an ashram. So um, many of her podcast sessions are her guided meditations. And she is one of my favorite teachers. She's amazing. And her voice is wonderful to listen to. So that's another thing you can check out. Yes, and I'm like smiling from ear to ear because that is also one of my favorite podcasts, but doesn't surprise me. Oh, so good. She just yes. had a wonderful episode around embodiment, actually. Perfect. Yeah, so go check it out, people. <laughs> yes, and where can people find you and learn more about your offerings and work with you? Um, my website is symbioticwellness.com. S-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-C. And my Instagram is my full name, which will maybe be on the title, but it's at Anna Sophie Conversano. I'm pretty active on there. I'm pretty, have, I keep a pretty honest page and I like to share really truthfully and authentic, authentically. So, yes, her posts are either, gorgeous either people. Gorgeous. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much, Anna, for sharing all of your wisdom and knowledge and experience with us today. Oh, that was so fun. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm so honored. Of course. All right. That's it for now. See you guys next time. So that's the end of this episode. I hope that you enjoyed all the information and the conversations and reflections that we shared as much as I have. And if you'd like to connect with me and learn a little bit more about my own journey and the offerings that I share, please visit jdingleswellness.com. And you can also connect with me on Instagram. And if you feel moved to and this show was really aligned for you, please go ahead and rate it on iTunes. I would greatly appreciate that. And I look forward to connecting with you again. Bye for now.